This podcast is brought to you by the Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University. Hi, everyone. I'm Bev Jones, and this is Just About Work, where we talk about everything that might have an impact on your career. Today, I'm thrilled to welcome a return guest and my good friend, Carrie Hannon. Carrie is the author of about a dozen books. She's a journalist, commentator, and keynote speaker. And she's one of the country's leading experts on careers and personal finance. Today, we're talking about Carrie's most recent book, Never Too Old to Get Rich. Now, I really love that title, Never Too Old to Get Rich. And the subtitle is The Entrepreneur's Guide to Starting a Business Midlife. Carrie will talk about how starting a business is not just a young person's game and how there's a huge wave of successful business startups being launched by people who are over 50. Also, Carrie will share lots of tips about how you can go about laying the groundwork for starting your own business. Carrie, welcome back. I'm so excited to have you for a third time here at Jazzed About Work. Thank you so much for coming back to chat with me. Thank you, Bev. I'm thrilled to be here. Today, what we're going to talk about is your your new book, Never Too Old to Get Rich. And I, I am really excited about the book. It's, it is so useful. But, but before we get into that big question of how you can launch a business, would you set the stage a bit by by telling us why so many middle-aged and older people are becoming entrepreneurs and how these folks are starting to have a tremendous track record. They're successful, right? Absolutely, Bev. This is the most amazing thing, is this is not just a movement in the United States, but this is a global movement of people midlife launching their own businesses. Now, some of these are micro-businesses and some are larger, but it is what we're seeing at this stage in life. People are saying, okay, so you know, a lot of the big ticket things are behind them. Perhaps they've been downsized from a job or what have you, and they're looking at what's next. What What's the next function that, that they want to go to? And, and it's so exciting because this is a time in life where the opportunities are still there. If you're in an, in this book, I look at people starting in their mid-40s, but even if you were 60, you have another 15 years or so to really do something completely different. And what is ex- really exciting is that, in fact, nobody would believe this, but studies are showing that businesses, not only are the over 50 sets starting businesses in greater uh, quantities than any cohort. I mean, it's the largest group of entrepreneurs, according to the Kauffman Foundation. But these entrepreneurs are successful. The studies are showing that their businesses tend to have longer lasting, more successful um, pathways than someone who's starting a business when they're younger. That that is so exciting. When I was reading um, th- your book, it made me feel like, ah, I want to start another business. It is so fun. <laughs> and you made it uh, so clear how um, people can prepare and launch themselves, even if it's something they never would have thought about in their earlier life. One of the things you talked about as smart preparation for launching your own business is to get your financial house in order. I, I've 
I heard you talk about that, and I know you've written about that before. And I, I think it is so important. Can you give us some tips about if you're thinking about launching a business or, or maybe making some other kind of career shift, um, you should do X, Y, and Z. What are the X, Ys, and Zs of getting your financial house in order? Well, you know, Bev, I absolutely love Carrie's fitness plan. And the number one step in my fitness plan is to get financially fit. Because when you're financially fit, you have options. You can be nimble. You can start businesses and and have time for them to grow. You're not relying on that income necessarily right away. And so it it, it gives you the ability to dream. We talk about debt is a dream killer. So what I encourage people to do is take a breath, take some time, do a budget. We all roll our eyes when we think about doing a budget, but just do it. Just sit down and take a look at what do you spend each month? What are you saving? What do your retirement accounts look like? Do you have financial security? Because whatever you do, if you're going to start a business, you do not want to be tapping into your retirement accounts. So if you can just take a little time and see how can you get lean and mean? Can you pay down? Do you have some debts that you can start paying down? Are there, maybe you can downsize your home. Perhaps you want to move to from the house that, that you had when your kids were growing up to something smaller, a townhouse or a condo. Um, maybe you want to refinance. There are certain options out there that will allow you to start moving the ball forward. But again, this doesn't happen overnight. So I encourage people, if you're thinking of starting a business, it is a process. So this may take two or three years to really get lean and mean. So if you want to start thinking about it, and I think this is one of your tenets, start thinking at 50 what you want to be doing at 55. This really helps you get your financial life in order. And that gives you the ability to really do new things. I think any kind of serious fitness program recognizes that most people don't do huge things all at once. You do things step by step, and you pick up momentum as you go along. And certainly that's the case with creating greater financial stability. Mm -hmm. But that's true for other kinds of fitness. So tell us the, about the rest of Carrie's <laughs> fitness program. All right, I, I, I will know tell there's you some the, other, the other aspects two tenants there. are you need to be physically fit, which means, you know, especially as we get older and um, Ageism is alive and well in the workplace. And yes, people judge a book by its cover. So there are a couple of things here. If you are physically fit, and I don't mean running fast miles or bench pressing, you want to have something. I walk my dog a couple of miles, you know, every day if I can. And whatever you do that gets you out, maybe it's swimming, maybe it's a, a, some sort of fitness program. But when you're physically fit and eat with an eye to nutrition, you have this energy, this can-do spirit. It gives you, uh, people want to work with you. They want to be on your team. They want you on their team. And when you're starting a business, you need that energy. And you're going to be the face of your business. People are looking at you. So, you know, it may sound sort of superficial, but frankly, if you can bring that oomph factor by being physically fit, it'll make a huge difference. The third piece is to be spiritually fit because when you're starting your own business, it's very stressful. And I'm not going to, you know, sugarcoat that. It truly is. And so if you have some place that you can go to, and I'm not talking woo-woo religion, nothing wrong with that, but what I mean here is a meditation practice, some sort of mindfulness. Uh, maybe it's yoga or Tai Chi, someplace that's your space that you can go to for ballast and to sort of recharge. Again, I like to walk my dog, but there are many other things you can do. Well, I think all of those are great ideas. All three of the tenants really work. They create a foundation. And something I've noticed with my clients is that if you take um, 
an aspect of your life, and fitness is a great one, and you start working on a structured program, the structure itself gives you some energy. You can take that structure and build on it with habits that are related to your business, to your career, whatever it is you're doing. So starting kind of a serious program to create change in your life is a great way for laying a groundwork for something you're going to do later on. So I I really like your approach. And, and you know, Beth, thing, I I just want to add one thing quickly. We were talking about getting financially fit and starting a business. A wonderful thing that, that some of the most successful entrepreneurs I interviewed for this book, Never Too Old to Get Rich, have done is they started their businesses as side gigs. They didn't necessarily jump in completely. So they didn't, we're not talking a huge investment. You don't need $20,000 to start your own business. You know, they can start small and because we don't need bricks and mortar, they can work, you know, with a computer and a home office and slowly, and many of them kept their full-time jobs while they were getting started with their with their new business on the side. So again, it's another tenet of being financially fit and financially smart as you're starting a business. That makes a lot of sense. And just like I was saying with the fitness program, something else I've noticed with my clients is that maybe they're feeling burned out or bored with their day job and they start a little side gig because they want to do something interesting or they want a little more money. And what happens, that new energy and I think a broader perspective Perspective, sometimes help them get their mojo back in their day job. So starting a side gig um, as a little experiment, you know, without going overboard, if you just want to be cautious, that can actually help you have some more fun in the career that you have right now. So it can be a great strategy. I absolutely love that. And again, you want to be careful not to step on your primary employer's time and their resources. But Bev, what you just said is so fantastic. And you and I have talked about this before. When you're starting something new and some new challenge and you're learning something new as you are when you're starting your own business everything about the way you see the world starts to change and you get re-excited about your every aspect of your life so it can be your primary job so you can fall in love with that again as well but it also gives you that juice to really think about what it is you want to do and how you can do it in a creative fashion that's exactly right and One of the things that um, I found so useful in your book is you do have great stories about people who are actually succeeding, but then at the end, you kind of bring things together by looking at what they did, and it might be doing things gradually, it might be saving up money, whatever it is. You you look at what they've done, and you come up with some homework assignments for your readers. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I noticed is that quite a few of the assignments – reference writing in your journal. And it's something that you and I both do. We've used it to organize things in our own life. I certainly um, recommend uh, writing in a journal to many of my clients. But I found that although a lot of people have read, you know, journaling is the thing, (laughs) um, and maybe even agree in theory, not many people actually have kind of a successful, structured habit around it. Would you talk a little bit about why you think, particularly if somebody's going in a new direction, that your journal can become your best friend and it it can be the beginning of your plans? It definitely can. And don't let anyone else read it, okay? That's your personal <laughs> journal. <laughs> that, that's any, part of the if power. If anyone looked at mine, I would be like, oh, jeepers. Um, but what you, what's great about doing journaling, and I know everyone says blah, blah, blah. It seems like the great thing to do. It really is. And 
I like to do mine first thing in the morning. Some people do it um, in the evening or right before bedtime. And keep it simple. Maybe just three points of three things from that you thought about that day that's going to help you move forward. Or three, I encourage people to do that inner MRI before they launch a business. You know, what is it? What are your best skills? What are you really good at? You know, look at, think about what it is. What are the things you really want to do with a business if you had the opportunity? So you can use it for dreaming and you can use it for practical things. But what it does is it keeps you accountable. When you have a journal and you physically write something down, okay, some people might do this on a computer. I like pen and paper. There's a tangible aspect to making your dream a reality when you start to do it in a very physical way and it focuses your brain and it allows you to organize yourself and it allows you, you can make it, break it into some of it is going to be dreamy stuff and some is going to be practical stuff, but it really gives you something that's your record of accountability. I think that it does help you envision your plan and turn it into a thing. You know, Mm -hmm. I think you pick up momentum with a new project and a business is certainly a huge new project. If you can visualize it, it's something real that's not just you. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I like to play with, with myself and sometimes with clients, is to do some kind of drawing like a mind map. A mind map's basically uh, a chart that looks like a... um, um, a hub and and spokes going out like a wheel. So you, you can look at all the different branches. If you do something like that, you have a picture and you can look at it. It's like you've got the address of your business <laughs> and you can keep going back to it. So that that's one way yeah. that, that I like to use it. And, and another way you can do if you're, a lot of people are afraid of, of starting a business. They're afraid of succeeding. They're afraid of failing. And and another one of those drawings is you draw your fear. What is it? What does it look like? That why are you afraid of doing this? What is holding you back? And by making drawing that, and you probably have your clients do things like that as well. Well, I haven't thought about drawing your fear, but I love that idea. There's a lot of research about journaling and pain in the the context of medicine. And the research suggests that for some people, writing in great detail every day about their pain, whether it's their sore back or, you know, they're recovering from cancer, if they write about it regularly, they describe what the pain feels like, it somehow helps you um, compartmentalize the pain and you back away. And it seems to reduce pain more quickly, say after surgery, and it um, promotes healing. So writing about something that's emotional so that you can look at it and get a little distance, and I think careers are often very emotional, that's that's one of the ways. So the journal can be emotional writing, it can be pictures, it can be a way to keep your kind of big picture to-dos. It can be all kinds of things. And break it down into steps. I mean, yeah. it, like, even a to-do list. These are the three things that, that I did today for my business. These are the three things I want to do tomorrow. These are, you know, the three people I want to call. You know, whatever it is, is and, and, and it's key. And, and Bev, I know this is one of your advi- pieces of advice as well, is it, to start a business, there's no ideal starting point. You just need to get started. So pick one thing. Start your, your journal one night with, tomorrow I'm going to call so-and-so. Or you know, exactly it is. the first step, <laughs> and you might not even know quite what your business is, and so the first steps might be networking. That's another mm-hmm. thing that your the people you wrote about did a lot. They they 
built their network. Somewhere in there, you wrote about uh, social capital. That yeah. Well, that's why you talk older, about that. You know, that that's a really good point that you brought up. You know, people often say, so, okay, great. These midlife entrepreneurs are more successful than the 20-something wearing the hoodie and the Allbirds. But th- there are a lot of good reasons why they are more successful. And one is they have that social capital. They have that human capital. They have a network. And they can continue. And so don't forget that. Don't sell yourself short. Think about, hey, I'm interested in starting a business in this industry or in this field. Who do I know there? Who can I reach out to to talk about it? Well, how does their business work or so forth? And you also have financial capital at this stage in your life. So you often have that. We talked about getting financially fit. But at this stage in life, you may very well have some savings, have some money set aside so that you can go that first year without paying yourself a salary while you're reinvesting in your business. You have most people self-fund their startups. Everyone thinks, oh, you know, there's these angel investors and they're dying to come invest in my business. No, they're not. So, you know, you need to be prepared to either self uh, finance your startup or have friends and family. Um, so there are many ways to go about it. Now, yes, of course, there are funds available and you can get bank loans and small businesses. The Small Business Association is wonderful at helping this. But but in truth, um, it is important to know that you've got those two things going for you. And also someone who's starting a business a little later in life has this and I know you love this word, resilience. Yes, <laughs> one of my favorite words. Dave, you've had some setbacks. You've fallen down. You've gotten back up. You've dealt with really rough people in the business world, and you've had positive experience. You have the whole ball of wax, so you can weather some of the storms because when you start a business, it's not all dreamy. You know, it's going to be hard. There are going to be days that really are not great days and days that are amazing, but the, the older entrepreneur comes to it with this sense of, of strength and ballast and and can really, you know, see the big picture and work through some of these stages. We'll be back with Bev after this brief message. Are you ready to make a difference in the world? The Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University can give you the skills to do just that. The school offers a multidisciplinary approach where public policy, environmental studies, and entrepreneurship come together to educate tomorrow's leaders. Learn more about the Master's in Public Administration or Environmental Studies by visiting ohio.edu backslash Voinovich School. In your book, it looked like a lot of the people who were successful entrepreneurs got some of that balance. They um, enhanced their own resilience by having a partner. That seems to be a trend. You want to talk about the value of a partner and then maybe what you have to think about before you launch into a business because it can be dangerous too, I bet. It is. I mean, it's, again, who you work with is is very, very important. But partnerships can be fantastic because, and, and I got to say, women are best at this. Because women are really great at collaborating. And I have a whole section of the book just about women-led businesses. And, um, the uh, you know, we tend to be more collaborative and we understand when you do that inner MRI that we talked about at the beginning of what are your skills, what are you really good at, there are going to be things that you're not so good at. So if you can find a partner who kind of compliments you 
in a way, say that you're really great, you're creative, and you love that whole part of the business, but you're not really a f- extroverted people person that you don't want to be out doing the face of the business in the sales way. You still have to do some of that, but you might find someone, or if you're not really a numbers person, you want to find someone who's really skilled at finances and the financial bookkeeping. So you might find that those sort of partnerships are, can be extremely helpful. And I have some a great example in the book is two women who started a stationary business in Pittsburgh. And um, the one woman was the the design freak. I mean, she just loved the creative. She loved making the cards herself and, and so forth. And she was very uh, interested in that end of the business. She really wasn't the business uh, mind in it. And so her friend of a long time came, you know, quit her job and, and she had been in investment banking and she loved that whole aspect of doing the financial side of the business. They complemented each other very well. Um, the other partnerships I talk about in the book, which I love, are the senior-junior partnerships. And these are older entrepreneurs starting businesses with younger ones. And Bev, this is the future. I honestly believe these are businesses that have energy for 20 and 30 years. And and you've got, you're not just starting a business for the next five years. It can go the distance because you've got this great blend of talents and um, and focus and vision. And so these partnerships, I think, are really exciting. And I, I believe that the 20-somethings are having as difficult a time in the workplace, even though we have a relatively tight job market these days, as the older person is if you're trying to stay in the working world. So you get the two who want to come together and, and do their own thing, be their own boss. I was intrigued by that, too, in your book. I, I noticed that... Um, some of the partnerships were family members, a mother and a daughter who mm-hmm. sold cookies and things like that. But at least one of your um, subjects there found a partner on LinkedIn, which I, <laughs> for somebody who doesn't have kids, and I was daydreaming about how I was going to be never too old to get rich and start a business. I, The problem was I thought at my age, it makes so much sense to have a partner, but I don't have a son or a daughter. And I thought, but I do have LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Is that um, how people find their partners? Or what would you suggest to somebody who um, thinks that they could use a partner, but they don't know where to begin? Yeah, that is a great question. LinkedIn is, uh, Paul Tasner is who you're talking about, who started a business called Pulpworks out in San Francisco. And it's a sustainable business. Uh, uh, really great packaging company. But he uh, partnered with somebody who was a couple of decades younger than him that he found through LinkedIn. And and she brought a whole new set of skills to the partnership. And it's been great for them. Initially, she was an architect by training. And initially, he had brought her in to help design the plants that they were going to use to manufacture the product. But it turned out into a much deeper relationship. And they've it's it's been great for him. So LinkedIn is, is a good way to look um, who do you know? Who and you can even scope around other people's profiles to see who's a bit, who's out there doing where you see the hole in your business plan. That said, there are more um, uh, opportunities now with these matchmaking services, and there's one I wrote about for PBS Next Avenue that that is they're based out of Colorado and they're they are starting sort of a matchmaking service where they they bring younger and and older entrepreneurs oh, that's, together that's fabulous I love yes. that idea yeah. and um there's such a need for that it's like kind Tinder. of match you can yeah. swipe this right <laughs> that, that, sounds, <laughs> that sounds fabulous um it sounds like the in your book there's so many um imaginative kind of businesses like the packing uh, mm-hmm. approach the uh, the green packing yep. um, production 
Are there trends in the kinds of business that older entrepreneurs are launching? Do they tend to be retail or are there um, um, social um, aspects that people like? What what are the kinds of businesses and are there reasons that certain businesses are more attractive to older people? I think what I saw in that, now I, I profiled 20 entrepreneurs and I tried to get a range of, of businesses. And again, I profiled the winners because I think we learned from those. I found a lot of retail. Um, I think because it's it's fun and it's kind of, you know, sexy in a way. It's kind of, there's, oh yeah, you know, I've always wanted now, like the mother-daughter team who started One Hot Cookie. I mean, you just love it. And now they have donuts too. Um, but so there was, you know, that kind of business. There was a jewelry business, a woman who, you know, started making jewelry uh, from a hobby and, and uh, a woodworker. Um, so there was a variety of things, but there was also someone who started uh, a filmmaking business, and he had come up through the television industry, but but he launched, he had always dreamed of being a Hollywood producer, so now he's not in Hollywood, he's in Arlington, Virginia, but he is a producer. Um, so I saw a lot of retail, but I did see some of these creative endeavors, and I have a whole section on social entrepreneurs, and these are people starting small nonprofits to help at-risk kids or to one fabulous one is, and this sounds, it's a little bigger scale, but the uh, gentleman who was CEO of Trader Joe's for three decades, um, when he retired, he went to Harvard has this uh, very interesting advanced leadership initiative program that you can do a deep dive. And that's what he did to learn about, you have to have a big audacious problem that you want to solve in the world. And his was hunger and nutrition. And he knew the food business. And, and another thing I should add is the truly successful entrepreneurs often start businesses in their own industries or in hobbies, which I used to think wasn't a great idea, but it is. It turns out because you really know your customer, you are the customer. And in this case, Doug Roush knew Trader Joe's and he knew the food chain. He started something called the Daily Table in Dorchester, Massachusetts, which provides food uh, at a very low price, which um, it's a nonprofit where they are supplied by food that's near its expiration date or ugly fruit that couldn't make it to the to the fruit stand. So and and they have cooking classes to teach people how to cook with this that maybe never have been exposed to it to sort of be able to get away from the the McDonald's kind of eating. Nothing wrong with McDonald's if you like it, but it's not always you know, what should be part of everyone's diet. So uh, his, or just a small nonprofit to help young girls who need an after-school program to help build confidence and all sorts of other things. So one of the reasons that people are working when they could retire, they're, they're people who I know working far after normal retirement age, whatever mm-hmm. that is, 65 or whatever you want to call it, there's still people choosing to work because it's fun and it's a way to have more in your life and it can inspire you know what you do every day all kinds of reasons many of those are not driven by money and they're looking at social entrepreneurship as a way to live their best life right oh uh, without it without question bev it is almost across the board in the entrepreneurs i talk to at this stage in life it's it's part of their mission is to give back and to make a difference in the world. Uh, and and this is a huge motivating factor for starting a small business or a nonprofit at this stage in life is what's your legacy? What do you want to be remembered for? And so that I definitely is a big motivating factor. And we often find people at this stage in life who have, they've come up against a health crisis of their own, or they've lost someone they've loved too soon. Uh, maybe there was a world crisis that 
just caught their attention and they thought, oh my goodness, is this what life's all about? Is I, What should I be doing? Is there more to it? So I see a lot of that really driving these businesses and it's great. It is absolutely great. Well, speaking of businesses, let's go back to that before we say goodbye for the day. I think that um, people who read Never Too Old to Get Rich are going to be inspired. They're going to like <laughs> start thinking, what business could I do? When do I want to do it? Do you have any final tips for people who may be just starting to think about it? Maybe they see your book in a store and it's got a really cool cover with dollar bills on it. <laughs> and that gives them the idea to start a business. What are, what are some starting tips if you're just beginning with the idea? Well, you know, here are the things you need to remember. It Being an entrepreneur is, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. This is a process. Start small, baby steps, move forward incrementally. Um, don't dip into your retirement accounts. Really have a good business plan. Um, go out and volunteer or, you know, moonlight. Somehow get a sense of what that business is that you want to start and whether it's going to really be something that's going to work for you. Ask for help. Try to get people who can give you their advice. People love to talk about their work. You can do this. And so again, those are the most important things. But I do want to leave your listeners with one thought. Yes, indeed. The book is all about you're never too old to get rich. But I truly have found that every single person I profile in this book, it's also, you know, we want their wallets to be heavier. But the truth is, it's the inner richness that you get from doing work you love with people you love and making a difference in the world. That is a wonderful final tip. Thank you, Carrie. As always, this was so much fun. Thank you, Bev. Today we've been talking with Carrie Hannon about how middle age or later might be the perfect time for you to start your own business. This podcast is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our audio engineer. I'm your host, Bev Jones, author of Think Like an Entrepreneur, Act Like a CEO. Today's career tip is that a starting point for launching a business or making any kind of career transition, is to get your finances in order. Having a firm control over your spending and saving will give you the skills and the freedom to make your best choices. If you've enjoyed our show, please tell your friends. And if you have questions or suggestions for great guests, please email me at beverlyejones at me.com. That's B-E-V-E-R-L-Y-E-J-O-N-E-S at M-E dot com.